אוקיי, בוא נביא את העניין. Let's bring the subject. Before we start, uh, every time I'm... We hear, we record it, then I edit it, then one day after I listen to see if there is any, like, problem or I forgot something during the, the mix. So I noticed I said a lot I've been. And if I remember to say I've been, it's mean like I still there. It's mean like it's called present progressive or something. Like... I'm there, but I still, like, I've been doing podcasting. It's mean, like, I still do podcast. Is, is it right? I'm trying to think of examples now. This isn't like... <laughs> so I can say, like, I've been to... I've been to Bulgaria. But it doesn't mean, like, I'm in Bulgaria right now. You know what I mean? But there is not... But like I can a- say that I've been journaling every day for the past year. And I'm still journaling. So it's a little, listen, English is tricky, man. So it's correct to say I've been in a trip, but now I'm not in a trip anymore. Well, like yesterday I say, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. And uh, in, in that case, I would go with something like, I went on a trip or I was, I was over there and I would, I would use something that's a little bit more, you know, just definitively past tense. Have, has, who, whom. There, there. You know, bicycles, like you... Who, I think am, you... who am I? Who am I? <laughs> anyway, yes, bicycle what? So like, you know how... Um, so a bicycle in English is singular. Like, I love my bike. I had a great bike. I loved my old bike. And then it was stolen in January. And then another bike was stolen two days before this all started. But if I were speaking in Hebrew, it, the bike is plural. So often people who are Israeli speak in English and they'll tell me, I love my bikes. Oh. Because uh, it's Ofnaim. The grammar word is uh, more complicated than the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You know what? I'm, uh, I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> Tuesday, October 17th. This is the 11th day of fighting. Try and keep this one short. This is, again, Jonathan from the studio in Binyamina, Israel. Today is the day when Hamas uh, released the first uh, hostage video, a young woman uh, pleading uh, for, for her life. Uh, you could say, I avoided watching this video. I don't want to see it. Uh, this is obviously going to be part of the, um, of the media coverage moving forward. They have probably many hostages and they will use those videos uh, to gain any advantage they can. This is the day when we learned that uh, President uh, Biden is going to visit Israel, which is a very significant uh, development for Israelis. It is seen as a symbolic uh, gesture of uh, solidarity. It's obviously going to affect uh, what, what goes on in, in the ground. an opportunity for the terror organizations to make uh, some symbolic gestures of their own. Uh, this is the day we learned about terrorist attack in Brussels with a gunman identifying, I guess, as, as some uh, Islamic uh, organization, uh, killing two Swedish football fans, soccer fans in Belgium. 
part of uh, uh, this whole thing that's going on in the world. It, it's very hard to um, separate it from what's going on in Israel. Late at night, Tuesday, the a story of the hospital blast in Gaza with many dead over there. We'll probably have more details on that tomorrow that might be a turning point uh, in this war. Other than that, more of the same, a lot of waiting and anticipation, a lot of worry, fear. The Israeli society is in a state of uh, post-trauma, suspicious, afraid, desperate, a lot of hopelessness. At the same time, while rockets are uh, blasting towards Tel Aviv and sirens are sounding, five minutes later you'll see people out in the streets drinking. It's the surreal aspect of our life here. More details tomorrow. Your uh, character uh, becoming more and more... Uh, you become a podcaster. You came here with uh, paper and notes, what you want to say, what you want to talk about. You want to read me the notes and then we will figure it out what we're going to talk about? Sure. Let's do that. Okay. One thing that jumps to mind is... Maybe you should put the sound of the paper just for the pyrotechnic. You want to know how I, I wrote half of these notes? Ooh. I jumped in the, the shower 10 minutes ago and then I ran out of the shower act because I can't see anything. I accidentally grabbed a little girl's robe that was in with the other towels and was like, this is the weirdest towel I've ever used. <laughs> it has like all these dimensions. And then I looked at it and was like, this is their kid's robe. <laughs> and then I just ran across the top floor you know, to where I have papers and my morning pages and stuff. And I was like naked, like squatting and just like writing notes because I get really great ideas when I'm immersed in water. Um, maybe you need like, a, <laughs> you can write it on the wall, maybe. Honestly, I was like thinking like, you know, that's a startup. Like for years, I, I was a swimmer and it's a place, swimming is where I'm just like, I think really clearly there's like an A and then a B and then a C, and then, you know, I could swim like kilometers and get out. And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to take a quick shower and like write this all down. And then it's just like, blah, 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 <laughs> and it's gone. Maybe we'll do this. Startup. Yeah. Because, you know, podcast and money don't go together, no? No, go, don't go hand in hand. I honestly don't know what's going to happen after all this is done. So who knows, Dora? Who knows? Okay, so let's go back to the topic. Okay, so one thing that's really jumping to mind is amongst all these voices where everyone is so certain that they, they hold the answers, they hold the solutions, they know what's going on. In the shower this morning, I had this flashback of a show that I saw on the History Channel, I think back in 2002 or 2003 when I was still in high school living at my parents. And it was about the Manhattan Project. Apropos this summer, Oppenheimer, Barbie. So I'm really jazzed up by the Barbie monologue, but also the Manhattan Project. And there was this one point in this like hour long history special where they said something that's been with me till today. That project didn't just change the world in terms of like unleashing like a uh, nuclear weapons technology and the completely horrifying things that happened in Japan, but something else. It's the first time in human history where there's something so complicated, so massive that was built by people 
that had no idea what they were working on. Like one guy and, and people that were living with each other, like in that, in those compounds and on those sites, and they had no idea what their neighbors were working on. So one guy was like developing a screw and he didn't know what he was developing like the screw for. And someone else was developing like this, this theory within great, I don't even know, phys physics is my weakest point ever. And all these people, these had no idea, like thousands of people working on something, no idea what they're working on. And then it comes together in this final moment and unleashes this, this fury on the world. And we're living in a hyper-fragmented reality. You could be the smartest person in the world right now, and you won't have all the details. You won't have all of the, the angles here. You won't be able to fully understand what's going on. It's, it's literally impossible. It's baked in. It's part, it's a huge part of the problem. And I think that the way out is through. No, I don't think, I believe, I know. And it's not only in terms of my personal experience on this planet, but I think it's with anything. The only way out is through. So I think that the only way that anything's going to change for the better is if everyone kind of understood that, that we don't know. You know, I can walk up the stairs, hold a glass of water, be thinking about, you know, um, whatever, like my mom or like, you know, the laundry or whatever. And I don't know how on the inside of my body that's happening because I'm not thinking about walking up the stairs. I'm just walking up the stairs. So if I don't understand all the things happening inside, how the hell am I going to understand all the things happening outside? First of all, what is Manhattan Project? Sorry about my Borut. Oh, it's it's like the the movie Oppenheimer. I I didn't see that. Was, I didn't watch uh, the atomic bomb during World War Two. Yeah, it's that. Everybody knows. I hope people know, and if they don't know, and they're commenting on what's going on here, I mean, maybe it's a good time to hit pause and do a little refresher on like twentieth century global warfare and lots of other things that are all coming to a head right now. But why why you mention it? Because. That history special left an indelible mark on the rest of my life. Um, that concept that other people have verified that since then. It's not like it was just this like weird theory. Like <laughs> it wasn't some conspiracy theory. Um, that's like the source. You know, people talk about how the atomic bomb, when it was dropped, that was like the source of all evil. You know, then there's the Cold War. There's like the war machine complex, like all of that, this unspeakable carnage that keeps happening. Like we've advanced so much. We, we are literally at a point in time where people don't even need to work five day work weeks. There's enough food in the world. It's just not distributed properly. I mean, we have everything we need. And yet there are people in abject poverty. <laughs> there are people being tortured brutally and indiscriminately, you know, the atomic bomb is seen as like the source of all that evil in a sense. And just like it was unleashed on the world, but there's another thing that was unleashed with that project, which is that hyper fragmentation that you can build something so powerful, so consolidated into one thing that drops out of one plane, changes the course of human history forever. And even the people that were working on it for years, had no idea what they were working on. They had no idea 
what the other team members were working on, that hyperfragmentation is baked in to every aspect of our society right now. And yet, people are more convinced than ever that they know. They know everything, they know better than anyone else. And so we've stopped listening to each other, which is also a huge problem, in my opinion. Soda is my favorite beverage on the planet. And by soda, I mean like seltzer. You know that in America, soda means something different than in Israel? Tell me more. Okay, so like in the States, I mean, depending on where you are regionally, but like if you want a soda, they'll think you're talking about like Coke or Sprite or something like that. A beverage. Yeah, but usually a sweetened beverage. If you want like soda, like this clear, no calorie, just straight up something. Sparkling, sparkling water. Right. Um, in New York, at least, back in the day, you would call this seltzer. Seltzer? Seltzer. S-E-L-T-Z-E-R. Seltzer. Good to know. Fun fact. Okay, we can continue to discuss about your point, but I thought that you would like read the headlines of the... Thing you okay the, the wow. paper you brought here it's gonna be rough and raw and unfiltered are you ready yes I feel so much sugar all right um <clears throat> this is the distraction socioeconomic disparity McCarthyism and the left US Jews and the Holocaust fragmentation Manhattan project the contagion of joy the joy that we're up against the It's a little hard to read my handwriting sometimes. Um, that courage under fire, though, as opposed to joy or like relishing and, you know, human death is what really empowers people into action and positive change. How many people need to be brutally <laughs> killed, raped, tortured, et cetera, for people to, I don't know, start saying that this is a crime against humanity, what happened here, and to stop gaslighting local voices? Well, I wrote this, I talked about this before, but no one sees the whole picture. The nefarious double standard of not only being held to a double standard, but to all having to agree and be one people as Jews, even though no other religion is. Um, that for decades, media experts have been railing against the increasing consolidation of media networks, echo chambers, the erosion of public space, My personal contention that digital space is not a replacement for public space, the erosion of humanities funding and research, which is directly related to the inability of so many more people than ever before to critically think for themselves and hold debates that are constructive, and how here we are, all the horrors of the world unleashed, and that I will not let go of my joy of life, but I will also not be rejoicing in the killing of anyone to get points or salvage my career or anything or save my people, whatever it is. I won't, I won't be participating in that. And that's a wrap for my notes from the shower. It's like uh, the trailer. We hear everything. Like, it's like we watch the movie, the, what you did right now. 
you know, we get that, we get that, this scene, this angle, he said that, she said that, he answered that, oh, he have a gun, who, 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 you know? Yeah. And there's people who think that if you watch the trailer, you don't need to watch the movie. Mm, that's right, that's right. So, speak about joy. Like, joy? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like, joy to the world. All the boys and girls, joy to the people in the deep blue sea. I tried to do the second voice. I forgot the words, though. Joy to the people in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. Hey! Joy to the world. All the boys and girls. Joy to the people in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. What do you mean by joy? Joy. Hmm. You know, it's a tricky question. There, there are some questions that are really difficult. Like when people are like, oh, how you doing? Are you okay? Are you happy? I mean, no one's asked me if I'm happy in the past week, but you know that question, like, mm-hmm. are you happy? Are you good? And when I was in the throes of deep depression, that question was so painful for me to get. And at one point I really railed against it, you know? And my mom is like super peppy, optimistic. I don't know, she's like a miracle. And she visited me in my dream last night. And I'm so grateful because I haven't seen my parents in so long. And, you know, I, I told her once we were having, depression has a lot of elements and I, I won't really get into it here, but she asked me again, something like, oh, are you blah, 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 and, and there's no need to be sad. You know, life is so beautiful. Just be happy. And when you're really depressed, that can be such a hard thing to hear. Um, And then I was like, mom, can we change tactics? Can you ask me stuff like, hey, like more concretely, like what's been interesting to you lately? Or um, what was it, you know, is there anything you'd like to share with me about your day? Something a little bit more open-ended. So I have a happiness and joy and contentment. There are things that I've I've spent a lot of my time, mostly alone thinking about and feeling. I think joy is, well, first of all, you know how they say joy is contagious. Like a smile is contagious. If you smile at a stranger, they'll, you know, just make eye contact, they'll smile back at you. It could change their whole day. Mm-hmm. And someone posted um, on my feed, he's an academic Israeli in the States. And he, he said, guys, I, I think amongst all the conversations about what's going on right now, and I might be butchering this, and if so, I'm sorry to whoever wrote it. Um, It's that the people on the campuses, you know, I don't know if you've seen the videos, but there's like straight up like pro uh, quote Palestinian groups who are rejoicing in the murders and the massacres and these heinous crimes. What is rejoice? Rejoicing is celebrating. I don't know if you've seen these celebration videos and you would think that it would end there, that people would be like, holy fuck, this shit is dark. You know what I mean? But the movement is just growing 
There were like 150,000 people at one of these rallies in London, in central London. Like Jewish families are being told like, please maybe don't send your kids to school today. Please hide your star of David. If you're ultra Orthodox and like your garb, definitely um, everyone knows you're Jewish. If you're dressed like an ultra Orthodox Jew, can you imagine how terrifying that is for them right now in the world anywhere? Um, so going back to what we were talking about, his, the gist of what he was saying is like, you know, that's what we're up against. And what's resonating for me is that there have been all these conversations with like people that have been in media and advertising for like 30 years. And there were these conversations last week, like, should we release some of this harrowing, harrowing video footage onto the world and potentially, you know, cause more trauma? I mean, not potentially, definitely cause more trauma, cause more pain, trigger people who are already deeply traumatized, not only re-traumatize them, but give them new trauma. Or should we focus on like the positive and try to like, you know, be different? And I spoke to um, my friend's 14-year-old teenage son who's like deep in TikTok spaces and I don't agree with the stuff he's looking at and like his world points. And I, and I spoke to him about what, what we're, you know, kind of debating. And he was like, oh my God, absolutely fire with fire. Like, have you seen this shit? Like, this is crazy. And he was showing me a bunch of videos and he was like, release it. You know, they're running around and they're like using bodies of innocent civilians to, to, to paint us as like, hundred percent the villains here. And there's like, no, if you look at the times, there's only pictures really of like Palestinian babies. Like the coverage is usually just like, Oh, here's an interview with the son of the woman of P like women wage peace founder who was brutally murdered, um, in one of the Gaza neighboring villages. And you don't see that kind of, um, balanced as if there can be ballads coverage right now, but I'm using old world like media terms. Um, and it's interesting because then I got on the phone with my sister the next day, like, you know, and she's in California. So it's 10 hours. It was like first thing in the morning here, she's about to go to sleep. And I, and I told her, I was like fire with fire. And she's like, no enough. Like it's so fucking cringe. Like it's not going to mobilize people because, you know, if they want you dead, they want you dead. And it, it, it's, it's this weird catch 22 that we're in right now. I don't have any like solution to offer here. I'm just sharing some observations that I'm, I'm being directly exposed to and that, you know, I'm just a vessel. So I'm, I'm sharing through this outlet and there are points to think about, I think, and, and feel, I think, oh, I keep saying, I think the other day, someone said, you know, the problem with everything going on here is is people are, um, they're thinking so much. I went into the kiosk and I, around here and, you know, they're Orthodox, uh, the owners and, and their neighbors, and they, they've become friends over the past five years. And they were like, we haven't seen you in a while. We're worried. And I said, you know, we, we, we spoke about stuff that's going on and they were like, we're really heartbroken. We're heartbroken by the betrayal of, you know, Jews, Jews here, Jews there, like, in terms of what's going on. And that's been another painful dimension of all of this. And then Amir said something like, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking too much. And I had this lightning bulb moment of, holy fuck. Yeah. This is what happens when you're so cut off from feeling 
you know, I think I said this on when we spoke last week, this is what happens when you put narrative in front of humanity, you know, and narrative is so much from the brain, but humanity is so much from the heart. And I was at this incredible meditation space last year in New York and it was me and the owner of the space and three other women. And we came together for a very powerful meditation, a pyramid meditation. We'll get into that in another, it was like copper pyramid that you like get under and there's like bowls and stuff, like a really far out thing. And she said, she asked us, she invited us all to introduce ourselves in our relationship with meditating. And one woman there said that she meditates all the time using the Headspace app. And the owner of the space, which is a deeply spiritual center, said, it's great that you're meditating, anything that works for you. But I invite you to think of meditation as another path forward, not as a path through your mind, but as a path through your heart. And I wish that people would think of meditation that way, she shared, that it's not just about clearing your head, it's about opening your heart. I don't think I get my answer to my question, but it was quite joyable scene, isn't it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo is all about sparking joy. Who is Marie Kondo? She's a woman from Japan who developed an organizational method for tidying up your house. She wrote a hugely best-selling book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and it changed the course of my life when I read the book and Marie Kondo'd in this 2016. Is, this, this is the most specific episode we did so far. <laughs> What do you mean by specific, Dor? Specific, like it's, I think like we spoke about a lot of things, but we didn't like, how do you say? Uh, like in, in art, mufshat. Abstract. Yes, you cannot touch it. Like it's, It's intangible. You can't, you can't hold it. Exactly. You can't contain it all. Thank you to, what's the name of the, the actor? I love him. From the... What else was he in? Peaky Blinders, of course. I never saw Peaky Blinders. No. Yeah, I never saw it. No There's way. There's a lot What of stuff. What about Arthur? Arthur. Which Arthur? The, his brother from the, from the TV series, from the Peaky Blinders. Huh? Peaky Blinders is amazing. And this dude, Thomas Shelby, the Oppenheimer, one of his best roles on, on TV. He's like really stylish British gentleman, but also like arse. How do you say arse? I don't think we should go into that closet right now. I don't know. Anyway. So shout out to Shema, Jonathan Gall, Maya Schlesinger, Dor Comet. I'm Amy Sapan. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. <clears throat> From the tap. You the try to her. say like, you, you sing regular. First voice, I will do the second. I don't know what that means. Just sing regularly. And I will do the... You'll do the... Okay. I will try. But stay, stay straight on the, on the line, on the note. Joy to the world. 
All the boys and girls Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea Joy to you and me I, I accidentally said joy to the people in the deep blue sea, which sounds harrowing when I think about it. <sighs>